0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Rise
2: above and be in control with today's business headlines,
1: driven by Volvo Cars.
2: Good morning. I'm Kusu Chong, and I'm with Joyce Go. We are talking about the business news, and uh, just a couple of comments on the grill that just mm-hmm. happened uh, with the Deputy T- International Trade Minister YB Ong Kianming, and Chris Ng of Maybank Etica uh, as a Chief Strategy Officer. Um, I guess what is the, the kind of messages that I took away from that the, the discussion was the fact that um, it was a necessary budget in reducing the haves and the gap between the haves and the have nots. Joyce, mm-hmm. uh, but with what is also important is that the the government is very cognizant of the ratings implications of their act. And I think they're doing a lot of, um, you know, messaging and, and, and discussions with the ratings agencies. I think the International Trade Minister, YB, uh, Daryl Leaking, is going to Singapore with uh, Ken ming to talk to the, uh, to the Moody's and the SMEs and the Fitchers. I think patience is, is needed because the mandate is for five years, not for six yeah, months.
1: And, and I think what uh, YB on Ken Wing pointed out was that, you know, this current budget is about transparency. And hopefully, you know, the ratings agencies will take that on board as well.
2: Yeah, because I I think uh, one of the comments that he made was that the agencies tend to fixate a lot on the hard debt numbers mm-hmm. without focusing on the larger, wider implications. Um, that is why, I guess, uh, you know, Tony Pao publishes two numbers. One is the direct uh, debt-to-GDP ratio of about 50-odd percent and the wider uh, number of about 80% or slightly less that includes contingent liabilities. Okay, so looking at budget 2019, we know that it's about 8% larger than the previous budget. It's about It's about 314 billion ringgits. And uh, it's basically broken down between, in terms of revenue sources, between indirect taxes, other direct taxes, and income taxes.
1: Yeah. So if you look at uh, income taxes, there's around 127 billion ringgit. And if you break that down even further, you have corporates at 70 billion ringgit, individuals at 35 billion ringgit, petroleum at 18 billion ringgit.
2: Yeah. So, of course, uh, we know that um, in terms of OPEX, it's just under 260 billion ringgit emoluments, which is basically government salaries and civil Mm -hmm. servants is 82 billion ringgit. That's a lot. Debt servicing charges are 33 billion ringgit. Retirement charges 26 and a half. So... It's a it's a legacy issue, and I think um, there's a lot of institutional reform that is happening with the new governments, but it's a process; it takes time.
1: Well, Chong, even on the operating expenditure, you have subsidies at 22 billion ringgit as well, and uh, supplies and services at 29 billion ringgit. Looking at development expenditure of 54.7 billion ringgit, you have a social at 15 billion ringgit. You have economic at 29 billion ringgit.
2: Okay, so what we have found out from this budget 2019 is the fact that oil and gas revenues are a huge component. Of the contribution. It's about 31%. Okay, so without the oil prices being where they are. I think uh, at least at 80 bucks per barrel, there is no way uh, Budget 2019 could have been funded. And um, you look, I mean, I think Petronas was in the dock for 24-odd billion ringgit in direct dividends, and then they declared a 30 billion mm. ringgit special dividend to allow Pakatan to pay back GST and other income tax refunds, which would then hopefully flow back into the economy via reinvestments or consumption spending.
1: Well, Truong, you know, this announcement didn't really go down well with ratings agencies because uh, they're saying that, like Moody's, they're saying that 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 the government's heightened reliance on volatile oil revenues in the short term would contribute to the weakening of the nation's fiscal profile.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely true because uh, as we were talking about earlier, um, I also found out from Chris saying that um, basically foreign ownership of Malaysian government securities or Malaysian government bonds has been reduced quite a lot in the last few months. Uh, In line with the sell-down in emerging market assets, I think right now only about 30-odd percent of uh, MGS is owned by foreigners. So what this means and why this matters is because if uh, the global ratings agencies like Moody's, S&P and Fitch downgrade Malaysia's debt ratings, it means higher uh, borrowing costs and it means higher debt service charges. The fact that only only in inverted commas, 30% of MGS is owned by foreigners versus the 45-odd percent in the past... Um, means that you know it's less of a concern than than previously.
1: Yeah. Also, you know, S and P ratings are have said that you know heavy reliance on commodity based revenues presents an additional risk to Malaysia's fiscal accounts in the absence of more structural revenue raising measures. So, if we look at a uh, budget 2019, we'll, that will also see a wider fiscal deficit in 20 than, in 2018 than what was targeted by the previous government. And uh, ratings agencies have voiced their concerns.
2: So, in fact, you and Putrajaya yesterday, you spoke to YB I Tony Poor. Uh, so Menye, mm, that's right. Mm. So you, talk, you spoke to Tony Pua about this. Uh, this is what he had to say.
0: I think the biggest concern among some of the agencies are our debt levels uh, relative to GDP. And uh, that is a focus area. And the way we focus at it is look at our total debt. Uh, that includes other liabilities, commitments, uh, and not just strictly on government issuance. Mm. So that's, that's why there's a period of readjustment. Mm. Uh, and that's why we're publishing two numbers.
1: We also asked him what he expects the readjustment period to be.
0: We expect it to be in the region of three years before uh, but you would be able to see the what you call the overall decline in total liabilities uh, in in the short term. Because what we have done now is essentially as as you can see, we have taken away all the all the non-essential projects or non-productive projects. Uh, that directly will reduce the future overall liabilities uh, for the country.
2: So the finance, of course, there was YB Tony Pua, the political secretary to the Minister of Finance, uh, speaking in some money, not Puchajaya. Now, of course, we also know that the Finance Minister, YB Lim Eng has announced a fiscal deficit of 3.7% of GDP for 2018. That's 90 basis points higher than the 28 uh, earlier.
1: Yeah, Truong, well, the government has proposed to reduce the deficit over the next few years. They're looking at, uh, for 2019, down to 3.4%. For 2020, they're looking at 3%. And for 2021, they're looking at 2.8%.
2: So, of course, the path to fiscal parity is ongoing and really is incumbent upon Qian Ming and his colleagues to really... Um, manage expectations at the Moody's and s and of this world.
1: That's right. Uh, you know that Fitch Ratings have said that Malaysia's public debt is high relative to rating peers and a further increase in debt over the medium term could have a ratings impact, trial.
2: Okay, so let's talk about this um, property crowdfunding platform. You actually went uh, for this uh, discussion, and um, it's innovative, innovative because it allows first-time home buyers and uh, people who couldn't afford bank loans in the past because they did not have the documentation to now get on the property ladder. And what happens under the scheme is that you uh, or they, um, the pr- prospective buyer, puts down twenty percent, twenty percent of the uh, property value, with the rest initially funded by banks, but then latterly to be funded by individual investors.
1: That's right. So the Edge prop has launched this first-of-its-kind property crowdfunding platform dubbed Fund My Home. And uh, to better explain what this platform is, here is Datu Tong Kuyong, chairman of the H-Media Group.
0: The peer-to-peer allows individuals to become investors to buy and to subscribe for the 80%. The peer-to-peer platform is waiting for SE approval, hopefully very early next year. Meanwhile, what we have started doing is without using the peer-to-peer, i.e. without raising money from the public, the institutions like the banks and other institutions are the ones funding today. Eventually, it will become a peer-to-peer platform. It will then be individual investors who will be investing into them.
2: That was Dr. Tong Kui Yong, chairman of the H Media Group, talking about this property crowdfunding platform and the trusted banker stroke developer to come up with a scheme, isn't it? It's quite innovative, right? It, well, ticks, it ticks all the boxes, right? It ticks the fact that the property buyer can get on the ladder. It also uh, takes the regulators' boxes in the sense that the risk to the financial system is diversified among the people and the people have a high savings rate. It also means that um, people among the sector, uh, anybody in Malaysia that wants to be a property investor, can invest in this platform uh up uh you know with a minimum investment of 5000 ringgit so um the it seems to have a lot more upside than there is downside.
1: Well, Truong, um, currently, the participating institutional investors are Maybank and CIMB Group. So for now, it's just institutional investors. Uh, they need to wait for necessary approvals, like from the SC, before it can open up to individual investors. Uh, at the press conference yesterday, uh, I was there with Keith Kam from the news team, and we asked about safeguards <laughs> of, of this initiative, right? What are they looking at? And they're saying that, you know, they, they're... I mean, the risk for banks lending money to their home buyers is low because they say the amount to be borrowed would be very small. So borrowers will likely have sufficient income to pay back their loans.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, I, I guess the, the the downside to this whole equation is the fact that property prices don't go up forever, right? We've seen property crashes happen all over the world in recent memory: uh, London, Dubai, Singapore. Um, you know, there is a speculative element to property and you know, this feeds the speculative further. So I guess from the regulator's perspective, SE, they've got to really examine this and to see whether this works from, from a policy perspective. Yes,
1: exactly. So uh, the Minister of Finance was at the event yesterday as well and YB Lim Gon In said that the government will engage with stakeholders like the National House Buyers Association before implementing the peer-to-peer home financing exchange platforms because the association has expressed disagreement with the crowdfunding scheme saying that it could encourage more property speculation Sorry. and uh, bad debts
2: okay so uh just in terms of mechanics uh you can if you're the homeowner can either f- sell or refinance the property after, after five years you can even rent it out and six months before the five year expiry date a valuation will be done done by an independent valuer and if you choose to sell the developer is entitled to the first 20 percent of any price appreciation so everybody kind of makes money right the owner makes money the developer makes money the investors make money and the risk is diversified among everybody, so the systemic risk of the system doesn't come into play, it's quite a genius, And I think that's the basis of how P2P plat- platforms in China is really taken off in China, right?
1: Yeah, but you have it's, to make sure the safeguards are really on yeah. place, and nobody can abuse that. I think, yeah. yeah. Looking at the returns on investments, I think investors can expect an annual return fixed at about 5% per year. And looking at, so there's capital gains after five years. So um, yeah, a lot of potential, but we have to wait. When it comes to peer-to-peer, that's still not launched yet. Or they're looking at 2019, <coughs> the first quarter of next year.
2: So, of course, uh, this, you know, if it works, will uh, play into the affordable home scheme. Pakatan has actually promised 1 million uh, houses uh, within a 10-year period. So maybe if it works, who knows, right?
1: Yeah, Tun M was there uh, yesterday, the Prime Minister launching this scheme and he said he brought this up about how um, it ties in with uh, Pakatan's promise to have 1 million affordable homes uh, in the next 10-year period.
2: Okay, we're going to be coming back in a few minutes with the market's watch. uh, So stay tuned, BFM 89.9.
1: Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.